0: This program was produced with the support of StoryHive, creativity connected by TELUS. For more information, please visit storyhive.com. Well, I'm in over my head, no one told me. Trying to keep my
1: footprint small was harder than I thought it could be.
0: I'm in over my head, what do I really need? Trying to save the planet, oh, will someone please save me? trying to save the planet. Oh, will
1: someone please save me? Welcome to In Over My Head. I'm Michael Bartz. I want to take a few minutes at the top of this first episode to tell you a little about myself and why this show exists. Like most people, I'm concerned about climate change and want to do my part to save the planet. But unlike most people, I'm willing to drastically change my lifestyle to reach this goal. In 2016, I decided to downsize to reduce my carbon footprint. And I mean really downsize. I was going to attempt to live in an 18.5 square meter or 200 square foot off-grid tiny house. Not only that, but I was going to build it myself. Now, my dad was a mechanic and a welder and taught me the value of working with my hands. But even with all my skills this was gonna be a huge undertaking. So I spent an entire year reading all the books, watching all the videos, and learning as much as I could about building a tiny home. Then, in 2017, I started construction. It took four years and thousands of hours of measuring, cutting, nailing, screwing, gluing, welding, measuring again, staining, painting, and countless other tasks it wasn't always easy. But in the spring of 2021, I finished the build. It has everything you might expect in a tiny home. Powered by solar, all off-grid appliances, lots of storage, a bedroom loft, and yes, a composting toilet. Overall, it's well-designed and so beautiful. I reached my goal of building an environmentally friendly home. However, I still wonder if living in such a small space is actually making a difference towards climate change. And when I think about the environmental footprint in every other aspect of my life, I feel overwhelmed. I feel in over my head. I don't want to feel this way. And I don't want you, dear listener, to feel that way either. For me, knowledge is power. I didn't wake up one day and just start building my tiny home. It took so much learning so I'm ready to start learning again. And I figured the best way to do it this time around is to talk to the experts. And it's just my luck. We have a ton of environmental experts right here in southern Alberta. So I'm going to chat with as many folks as I can, separating the fact from fiction when it comes to climate change. This show is really about empowering you, dear listener, because I truly believe that we can change this thing if enough people are on board and do something then we have a shot. But that's the key. You have to do something. So I want you to commit right now to taking one small step today towards saving the planet. So, repeat after me. I, Michael, but say your name. I, Michael, do solemnly pledge with the information I learn from in over my head to take action even if it's just one small thing today. Together, we can save the planet. Okay, it sounds like you're ready to go. Let's get started. My guest today is Kathleen Shepard. Kathleen joined Environment Lethbridge as Executive Director in November of 2015. In that role, she has led implementation projects such as Reuse Rendezvous, the Small Business Energy Efficiency Program, and CD Saturday. Kathleen has more than 25 years' experience working for nonprofit organizations in BC and Alberta. Welcome, Kathleen, to In Over My Head. How are you?
0: I'm great. I'm happy to be
1: here. Great. Um, so I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions, and we're going to have a, a good chat. So, Perfect. In Over My Head. So the reason I, I chose this title was because that's the way I feel sometimes when it comes to climate change. It's like, so I built an off-grid tiny home, and I'm living in it. And But I feel like, is that actually making a difference? And so I think I'm going to talk to experts. I'm going to get some expert advice, and I know a great place to start is Southern Alberta. So I thought I'd bring you on and chat. Great. So do you think that reducing um, the size of my house, like living in a, a very small house, does it actually impact my, my carbon footprint?
0: I do think it does. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, you sort of think about it, Logically, that if you have if you're living in a smaller space, you just fundamentally have less space for less stuff um and that in itself is an environmental benefit, right? Um, we know that um you know we we love to we all love to buy things, but if you can't bring as much stuff home, there's that's positive from a carbon footprint perspective. I think there's also things like, um, you know, the size of your home is related directly to the amount of energy you, you use. And so um, they're, again, uh, direct linked to your carbon footprint.
1: Okay. And, so, yeah, so less stuff and then less you know, utilities and such as well. Absolutely. hmm And so if, okay, so I live in a tiny home, right? But And let's say someone who is listening they don't. Obviously, I think most people probably don't live in a tiny home, right?
0: Myself included. <laughs> right. Um,
1: so for those folks, like, so they maybe they they can't downsize. Maybe they want to, but they're in a mortgage or they're in a lease, mm-hmm. or they just can't find a house that's really, really, really small. What can they do? What are some some practical things they can do to reduce their carbon footprint in their house that they have?
0: Sure, and I mean we we all sort of know the the basic things about you know. Turning off your lights and um, only running the dishwasher when it's full, and all of those, those kind of things. And those are all really great practical things. Um, I think the the place that I would really encourage people to start is to understand um, their energy use. And so that means, you know, taking a look at your energy bill, figuring out what is it that's that's causing your bill to be higher at different times of the year, um, and where are the things that you can can kind of make savings? Uh, and so you know things like replacing your light bulbs is going to give you a small a small amount. Um, but then it's sort of looking at you know you're in a house, you need to replace the refrigerator, let's say. Um that's your time to try and uh, take advantage of getting a more energy efficiency energy efficient model. Um, and improving your carbon footprint that way, reducing your energy usage. So it's not sort of, um, you know, we we sort of wish that we could do these things where it was sort of, I'll do this magic thing and then it'll be done and I can then sort of move on from there. But the reality is it's a process and it's sort of about paying attention to the way you live your life and and looking for ways you can continuously uh, improve and get better.
1: Okay, um, so would you say that I talk about in, in my show saving the planet? So is, is saving the planet about making those personal sacrifices?
0: Absolutely, and I, I think you know, I mean, saving the planet is sort of one of those um, lovely catchphrases. But you kind of have to have to drill down to what that means in your life personally, <laughs> because you know, you you started off by saying that you've. You've done this thing, and now you feel really overwhelmed. And I think that's a really um, co- common feeling for for people at all stages um, of sort of a sustainability journey, if you will. Um, that the problem seems really, really big, and the and the role you play seems really, really small. Um, and so, what's the right the right action? And and I would argue there is no one perfect right action. The the action that you take that is is something new that something um, in addition to what you're doing now is the right action.
1: Okay, that's good to know. Because um, yeah, I, I feel like like you want to make these changes, but you feel like maybe it has no impact, right? Um, mm-hmm. But ho- and I'm I'm hoping that that it does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I mean, I think um, what you've done with the tiny tiny house is is something that's um, the, the right choice. For you and and but is as you say, not going to be something that's going to work for everybody, and so everybody sort of has to find their own um, their own path, if you will, and that can be um, liberating because you have lots of choices, <laughs> but it also can be kind of scary and overwhelming because um, there's not a lot of of guidance, and things get complicated really, really quickly, you know and and so you're sort of like um, is is recycling the right choice or is it just sort of a band-aid solution or should I be doing this other thing and and how do I know um, where to start and where to go and so yeah lots lots of people feel that way I think.
1: Yeah and I think you can go down the rabbit hole of like researching certain things and how is this used and is that effective and things like that so do do you think that is there a way you could automate those things or, you, or there are like tried and true things that that work that you can just do in your life and not have to think about so much?
0: (laughs) Um, I I mean I do think um, and and I think I I did do a little bit of um, sort of homework before we chatted today about tiny homes because it's not something I was intimately familiar with and one of the things uh, that the research shows is that people who commit to tiny homes um, then start to see benefits from adopting other lifestyle choices. Um, So there's sort of this cascading effect where you have a tiny home, so you you probably buy fewer things. Um, you're more conscious about what you're you're buying. You're probably um, you know buying sustainable food and and uh, some of these other these other things. And so I think that happens in other situations too, where once you sort of start becoming aware of your energy use, for example, um, then you're more likely to kind of extend that action and extend that understanding into um, new and different different ways uh, to take
1: action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me, like, obviously, I'm taking on this big project and, and really living in a very unconventional way. But I also see it as as like a personal challenge, right? Mm. And I think for me, it's a lot about framing. And it's like, if it's not about sacrifice, and oh, I can't do this, I can't do that. Maybe you just don't do this, and you don't do that. And And like you said, as you do one thing, then maybe you want to try something else and it and it builds and it leads to other things, which mm-hmm. we think is is a, a good thing um is what would be a way to sustain those things
0: sure i i mean one of the uh one of the really tricky things um is this all sort of comes down to human behavior in a way and and human behavior is not always as straightforward um as we might like and and the example I always use is You know, we all know that we should eat our vegetables um, and and there's guidelines that we all know about how many we should eat and all the rest of it, but we don't always. And so it's not about knowledge, it's about building a habit. Um, And the same is true uh, with these behaviors, right? It's about building the habit of, um, you know, using your reusable mug or um, using less water or, or all of those things. And so it takes time to build those habits. And we sort of have this tendency to, um, you know, the minute we backslide, we, we decide we've failed. And, and therefore, since we failed, we're just not doing it anymore. <laughs> Whereas that's not really how habits work. You know, you you repeat it, and then occasionally you, you will fail, but you keep doing it, and eventually it just becomes part of, part of your life. And I think that's true um, with big changes and with small changes, too.
1: And would you recommend that people kind of automate that? Because like, you had the example of buying energy-efficient appliances because then you don't really have to think about it, right? You don't have to mm. do something every day, you know? Um.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think where you can get sort of those, those wins um, and do something that sort of takes care of itself. And, um, you know, the example I'm, I'm going to use is a big example that's maybe not for everybody, but solar panels are a great example of that. You know, you... Once you've made the investment and installed them, you, you never have to worry about them again. You never have to think about them again. They just sit out there and they generate energy and um, it, most places are doing them so that they're tied into the, into the grid. So you're not worried about batteries or anything, anything like that. They're just out there doing their thing. Um, and so, yeah, the more, the more things you can do like that that don't require sort of active management uh, on your part are, are wins, I think.
1: Mm, yeah and i think the um with the solar panel example i think maybe there might be a cost barrier at least right now they're maybe quite expensive like with my tiny home uh, it's small enough that that running you know a few panels you can basically run all your all your stuff right mm-hmm. uh, with a full size house probably not
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and and that is that is a challenge for sure is that um some of these things are investments and so you have to think carefully about um how you're going to bring those, those into your lifestyle and, and different things fit for some people and not for others and, and all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think not being discouraged or, like, a, you know, feeling overwhelmed like I can is, is a good first step. And would you say even little things like turning the, the thermostat down a few degrees, like, does that make a difference?
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's a great example of something that, that uh, now is so easy to automate. Uh, because we have all these fancy programmable thermostats and things like that, and so once you get it set up, it you don't have to think about it. It just it goes ideally. <laughs> it goes down yeah, um, in the evening and warms up again when you're in the house during the day in the winter and does the opposite in the summer. And um, you you hopefully shouldn't even really notice uh, what's going on.
1: And I don't. Are there any sort of maybe subsidies? For some of these more expensive things, if you want to replace your light bulbs or if you do want to replace an appliance,
0: yeah, they're they're a little hit or miss. Um, and um, Alberta at the moment doesn't have an active program, uh, which is a bit of a shame because a lot of people really do look for those um, those sort of incentives to make those decisions. And something as simple as a um, you know a ten percent off on a on a fridge or a washing machine can can really make a difference when people are are deciding which one to buy. Um, so yeah, uh, there there have been in the past. I'm optimistic there will be again in the future, <laughs> uh, but at the moment um, there aren't those incentives.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's, that's too bad, but mm. hopefully they'll come back or maybe we could get them back somehow.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. Mm.
1: Yeah, because I feel like when with any kind of technology, right, that the more people are buying it, the more there's a demand for it, the price goes down, the technology gets better. Right So I think the more people can if they can afford it to buy energy efficient appliances or, or renewable energy, I think that the cost will go down wouldn't you say
0: yes absolutely and and that is something that has been consistently the case uh, particularly with the big ticket items like solar um, you see substantial price decreases um, from what it used to be, and so that's that's really encouraging and there's no reason uh, to think that um, that won't continue to a certain extent extent as well, um, that the price continues
1: to drop. And can you think of any other sort of small things that people can do in their homes um, to, to be more energy efficient?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's sort of, um, <laughs> there's, there's really, really basic things, right? Like um, one, of the, one of the great examples is um, if you're a tea drinker. You don't need to f- fill the kettle all the way full and boil a full kettle every time you make a cup of tea, right? Um, you you just need to use the energy to heat the water that you need, uh, and so it's sort of getting into that um, that mindset. Um, things like um, you know the, the little mini convection ovens are a great way to uh, save energy uh, from a cooking standpoint. If you're if you're not someone who um, you know cooks. Big meals in an oven all the time. <laughs> um, having a smaller alternative that uses less less energy is a great way to go. Um, yeah, um, clotheslines—you know—sort of going back to that kind of um, early early technology, if you will—are um, are great ways to save energy too.
1: So, I think I want to switch gears a little bit and hmm. and and talk about Environment Lethbridge and learn a bit more about them, because maybe some people haven't heard about Environment Lethbridge, they don't know about it, and I think they're up to some really cool things when it comes to environmentalism, and I think it's a great resource to, to, yeah, feel like you're not in over your head, right? So tell me <laughs> sure. uh, a little more about Environment Lethbridge.
0: Sure. So Environment Lethbridge is a um, a nonprofit organization. Uh, it was established in 2012. Um, and our mission is to inspire community action towards sustainability. So we're really looking for um, ways to engage people in um, taking the kinds of actions that we've we've talked about. Um, we try and go uh, a little bit beyond the uh, just education side and try and uh, develop programs uh, that actually um, get people doing things because uh, that's really where we want to be at the end of the day is... Um, having people moving forward on that uh, journey.
1: And what sort of programs do you offer?
0: Sure. So some of, um, I guess, our one of our longest standing uh, programs is Reuse Rendezvous, which is a citywide free cycling event. Um, Unfortunately, uh, COVID has kind of turned our scheduling upside down on that (laughs) recently, but um, we look forward to bringing it back again in the future. Uh, We've also done a lot of work uh, with small businesses in Lethbridge through the Small Business Energy Efficiency Program, uh, where we've helped businesses uh, assess their energy use and put together plans to uh, improve their energy efficiency at their business locations. Uh, we host CD Saturday every year, which is uh, designed to promote uh, gardening and local food. Um, so we kind of uh, run a gamut um, of programs. Our only, I guess, limitation, if you will, is that we're focused uh, entirely on the city of Lethbridge. So we don't um, do programming outside of that area.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, well. It is what it is, I guess. Um,
0: <laughs> well, yeah. we have to put some boundaries somewhere, right? right? Otherwise, like, otherwise, it's take over the entire world. <laughs> That's the plan. That's what we're doing. We have to save the planet.
1: But I guess there is a website, right? People can learn mm-hmm. things that, who aren't just in Lethbridge.
0: Yes, uh, environmentlethbridge.ca is our website.
1: And do you have a favorite initiative that Environment Lethbridge has been a part of, like over the years or now?
0: <laughs> favorite. Um <laughs> I I mean I think two of the ones that I mentioned are are my, fa- my favorite. Seedy Saturday. Um I love it's a it's a great event. Um it sort of kicks off spring in my mind and people come out and they're excited to um talk about seeds and gardening and local food and all of those things. So uh that one is near and dear to my heart. Um and the small business energy efficiency program um I love as well because um small businesses are often really overlooked when it comes to sustainability. They don't really fall into the um, kind of big corporate initiatives that we sort of see, <laughs> um, but they also um, often get left out of the uh, initiatives that are targeted at residents and homeowners and things like that. So that one I, I'm quite fond of as well.
1: Okay, and, and and these are still going on even with the current situation?
0: Yeah, CD Saturday uh, we did virtually this year. So it uh, takes place at the end of March. Um, the small business energy efficiency program is um is not as active we're um in between funders for that program at the moment, but uh, we will bring it back as soon as we get more funding for the program
1: for sure for sure um so if people want to get involved now maybe in something in southern alberta um how would you recommend they, they get involved
0: yeah so um checking out our website is a is a great uh, start um Reuse Rendezvous um, is coming up um, probably in September. Um, we'll we'll have that again. And then we have various workshops and other things that uh, go on uh, throughout the year. So people can check our website or our Facebook uh, page to get involved that way.
1: Nice. That's great. I think I'll maybe zoom out a little bit. And, and the reason I, I'm doing this show, you know, talking about environmentalism, it's specifically in southern Alberta, because I feel like that's not what we're known for. <laughs> Um, How do you think we can change that?
0: You know, (laughs) it's really interesting because, um, yeah, I I mean, I I grew up in Alberta and and I left to to work in D.C. for a number of years, and I've just come back within the last five years. And um, Alberta, environmentalism can be kind of a dirty word uh, in Alberta, but yet at the same time, there are a lot of people who um, really have a strong conservation ethic. You know, I, I... I, the, the people who are standing up um, to protect the eastern slopes right now and things like that, There's, there, there is a really strong, um, passionate support for the environment, even if it's not sort of described in the um, usual environmental terms. But I think, I think it's people taking action and then sharing their stories in non-confrontational ways that really makes a difference. Um, and certainly that's something we've tried to do with Environment Lethbridge is to make it accessible to as many people as possible. So we, we're not an organization that's going to try and make people feel guilty. Um, you know, we're not going to try and shame people into, um, you know, choosing choosing the perfect action. Um, it really is about um, trying to get people to an entry point that's comfortable for them and hopefully having them then look for other things they can do beyond that point. Um, and, I, and I think that's the way we need to have those conversations here in Alberta is to be um, as open and accessible as we can.
1: That's great, yeah. And and I think that taking action is really important too in having those good conversations. And hopefully our, conversa- our conversation was productive and informed some people and, and makes them want to take action. So thanks so much for joining me, Kathleen.
0: Thank you. I'm I'm excited to have been here.
1: For sure. Take care. Okay,
0: you too.
1: So that was my conversation with Kathleen. I think the biggest thing for me was all those little things do add up. That was great. And also, living in a tiny house does make a difference. Whew. Good thing, right? Well, that's all for me. I'm Michael Bartz. Here's to feeling a little less than over our head when it comes to saving the planet. See you again soon. In Over My Head was produced and hosted by Michael Barts. Sound engineering by Rodrigo Enriquez. Original music by Gabriel Thane. Special thanks to Lisa Pruden and Jessica Gibson.
0: This program was produced with the support of TELUS.